Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do. Like me, taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. Welcome back to the... CBS Sports, I Own College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, leaky black, and grave digger Phelps. I Own College Basketball Podcast is presented by Jersey Mike Subs. A sub above. Matt Norlander is here with me. He's at home in Connecticut. I'm in a hotel room, probably noticed, in New York City, in town doing uh, studio work for CBS Sports Network. Doubleheader last night, tripleheader tonight. If you're watching on YouTube, smash the like button like your Brandon Davies. You, you have consent. If you haven't yet, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Knock that out while you're here. Let's get into it. Um, I'm not sure we have a definitive answer on how many blue bloods there are in the sport of college basketball. People argue about this sometimes. But North Carolina and Kentucky are undeniably two of them. Both played Tuesday night. Both lost again. UNC lost 92-85 at Wake Forest. That's some kind of basketball team Steve Forbes bought there in Winston-Salem. That's a pretty nice basketball team. Yes. <laughs> you weren't you weren't here for all that. Welcome back, buddy. Great to have you back on the pod. You you missed all that, and we do not need to relitigate Jim Beheim's comments. That's for sure. But yes, Steve Forbes has had quite an interesting few days here, and uh, I was at. We'll get to UConn Marquette in a second. So I didn't watch any of the Wake Forest Carolina game, but from what I gather, uh, they kicked real ass, real Tar Heel ass. Keep going. What what one? Well. I wonder how much Tyree Appleby cost. <laughs> Four bags of apples. That's yeah. When I when I read those quotes from Jim, I was like, uh, "All right, I, 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 it seems pointless to say these things, but if you're going to say them, why are you saying Wake Forest bought a team? <laughs> like, there, there's got to be other examples in your own league that you that probably." Uh, Fall under that label a little better than the Demon Deacons, but but whatever. My point was UNC lost 92-85 at Wake Forest. Kentucky lost 88-73 at home to Arkansas. These are the two schools that were picked to win the ACC and the SEC, respectively. At this point, they seem more likely to play in the first four in Dayton. Deadlake, are you certain, are you certain for sure, the 2023 NCAA tournament is going to feature both North Carolina and Kentucky. And which one of those teams are you you're most concerned about right now? All right. Uh, put up the poll. Put up the poll yesterday. Let's check the results here. Last night, asking 
who's more likely to miss. And that's actually right now, if you're watching, not to put up the poll. Not that they've got either Kentucky. Uh, who's going to make it? Either just Kentucky or just Carolina. Both will make it or both will miss. So I think you got four options there right now. I only gave the option on the tweet machine. Which team is more likely to miss? We're closing in on uh, 2,400 votes here. Kentucky's at 51.7%. Carolina's at 48.3%. The nation is divided, GP. They are divided. Hey, hey, hey. But... <laughs> you don't have to tell me. I know. I know. I have cable yeah, news. I, I know the nation's hey. divided. Exactly. Um, let's take a look at the old. Uh, do you know about Tourneycast, GP? I'm, I, yeah, it's, it's not. It's, it's not in my bookmarks. Yeah, you know what? It's on barttorvik.com. You have so much to learn. You can go to barttorvik.com forward slash tourneycast.php and it'll give you it'll give you the percentages. Right now, this morning, Kentucky chance of making the tournament. Forty seven point eight percent. Oh wow. <laughs> North Carolina. Nine percent. So North Carolina, but that's Slightly less than 50-50. Woo! We're really back here, man. I, I didn't think we'd be back here. How'd we get back here? With both these teams. Before we continue, Nadia, you got that quick, like, seven-second clip from what Armando Baycott told the media in the, in the scrum afterward. Play that if you got it. I mean, really, I just told everybody, like, I'm not going to quit. If you want to be here, be here on Thursday. If not, just go home. This is the stage that North Carolina season has reached. I was talking about the way we, we, we at separate times this season, North Carolina's all American big has said he told his teammates, mm. if you don't want to be here, go home. And Kentucky's all American center has told his coach, put in walk ons with me if they'll fight. Both of those <laughs> things happen this season. That's that's correct. And also. Calipari said over the weekend, I need to play Damian Moore and Oscar less. You're reigning national player of the year. And I did get home in time to catch most of the second half of that Arkansas, Kentucky game. And uh, she boys, I don't, that's, it's weird. I mean, it is weird that he is, he is a shell of what he was last season when he was clearly the best player in the sport there. And it's not a good sign that Baycott's got to come out and say this when they are a veteran team. I was talking to a head coach in a big six conference on my drive home last night and um, Carolina had just lost to Wake Forest. So uh, he was kind of just, and this coach watches plenty of college hoops. He's not one of those coaches that only watches their team and their opponents. He watches, he watches a ton and you know, I'm not going to name the coach, but he did offer up. He's like, Caleb Love is not a good teammate. And you can tell when they play and you can tell by the shots. He takes too many of them. And the coach wasn't saying, I'm not saying that's the reason that they're this bad, but they are not getting what they wanted out of him. And it might be affecting the team overall. It might not just be Caleb Love, but I think that's kind of undeniable. RJ Davis is the better player. Armando Baycott, you know, he can only do so much, man. They can't all just fall on him. And there's... There is a dynamic there that feels broken with North Carolina. They have been a team that has had fits and starts. They've had, you know, they have a good week, then they have a bad week. Then they have a good week, then they have a bad week. So coming out of this, I know Kentucky lost at home to Arkansas and Carolina took the road L. So in a one game view of it, okay, the Carolina loss is more understandable. 
I've got issues and concerns with both of these teams. I think the Carolina loss on balance is a little bit more disturbing uh, overall. UNC is one and eight against quad one. We are, this is, this is a coda. This is a redux of where we were a, a year ago. I thought UNC would come off the Duke loss, be able to handle this business. Both those teams actually didn't handle the rivalry well. I mean, Duke got just utterly flattened by Miami on Monday night. Duke's resume is not in, in any danger right now, but UNC is, man. One and eight. The quad one win is against Ohio State. That's like I think Ohio State is second to last in the Big Ten ledger right now. If not, they're like third from third from the bottom there. And Tyree Appleby went off. Congrats on him. He said he actually set a record. He set an ACC record um, for free throws made and attempted in a game. He went twenty three of twenty eight. So good on him and good on Steve Forbes because you know what? Maybe they wind up be, they got to win more, but maybe they wind up as a sneaky get in the back door candidate for the tournament. I would. I have a little bit more concern about Carolina because most of these pieces were there last season. Like, what are we doing? Why are Why are we here? It is. It is now on the table. UNC, the preseason number one team in the country, might do the unprecedented. Since they have seeded teams, there has never been a preseason. There's never been a preseason number one that missed the tournament, and that's now in the equation for UNC. I wonder how much Jim Beheim would pay for a Tyree Appleby these days. You know. Yeah, I know. He said 20,000. I was also part of his quote. 20,000. Respectfully, I would be more concerned about the Kentucky loss at home to Arkansas than North Carolina losing on the road at Wake Forest. Although the Baycott comments post game and other, let's just call it speculation around the program is, uh, is, is, is concerning. But I don't know if you notice, Arkansas didn't beat anybody on the road. That times are changing two in a row. Gamecocks yeah. and Wildcats. Shouts to Devin Downey. Times they, they, are changing. Arkansas. Here's Arkansas on the road this season. Lost to LSU. Lost to Auburn. Lost to Vandy. Lost to Missouri. Lost to Baylor. Then beat South Carolina and then beat Kentucky. So if you're Kentucky, you just got smoked at home by a team missing its best NBA prospect who hasn't beat anybody on the road all season other than a dreadful South Carolina team. That's problematic. Particularly when you look at the upcoming schedule uh, for, for Kentucky. Because next up, a couple of road games. At Georgia, at Mississippi State. Those could get tricky. Then you got Tennessee at home. Then you've got at Florida. That's obviously tough. And then you've Got Auburn at home, Vandy at home, and you close at Arkansas. This could get real, real. Like Kim Pop project Kentucky to be 19 and 12 overall, 10 and 8 heading into the SEC tournament. If that's good enough, it's barely good enough. <laughs> what, is, what, is your, what is your verdict right now? Then find us in, uh, find us in five weeks. Uh, Kentucky makes it. Carolina doesn't. Carolina makes it. Kentucky doesn't. They both make it or they both miss. Right now, let's call our shots. Where, what are we doing right now? Are these teams, two preseason top five teams, are they really both going to miss this tournament, Parrish? Let's wager a Tyree Appleby on this. I will bet you one Tyree Appleby. And I don't have any Tyree Appleby to give. That's the problem. <laughs> I will, I will, I will bet you a Tyree Appleby. I will bet no. I will just bet you a bag of 
Connecticut grown empire apples. That's what I'll do. What do no, you, you got any apples down there in, in greater Mississippi? Yeah, we, we have apples. Yeah. Apple orchards. I mean, I don't know. I never seen one with my own eyes, but, <laughs> but we have apples at the grocery store. You can go get them. You know, what I do I need an apple orchard apples. for? I need you. I need you in the orchard trudging through plucking from the trees. Cause that's what I'll be doing for you. Boy, if you could ever figure out a way to grow Tyree Applebee's and then sell them to ACC programs, that'd be a business model, you know? Who's going? Who's not? I think Carolina's going. Kentucky's not. And these two teams were ranked first and fourth in the preseason AP poll. Both got first place votes, and right now they're a combined two and 15 in quadrant one opportunities. That's unimaginable. I mean, I just can't get over. You got Baycott talking to me this saying, uh, come see our practice or quit the team. Like, if ever there was a moment of actual true urgency, fight or flight, it's this for Carolina. It is. And the ACC is, here's the thing. Mm. Okay, let's bring up these schedules here. The ACC is not a good league. Now, it's got it's got top half, bottom half. I get that. And there's a three-way tie for first place. Shouts to Jeff Capel's Pitt Panthers, man. Right there with Virginia and Clemson. Three-way tie, 10-3 and three atop the ACC. But UNC right now is at 7-6. and six. Here's the rest of its schedule. Home to Clemson, home to Miami. Got to have those games. Need to have them. Then and there was once upon a time Clemson had no you, it, it never walked into into the Dean Dome. But in recent years, it actually finally, finally ended the drought and got a win. Then it's at NC State projects as a tournament team at Notre Dame Road. Come on. You got to win that home to Virginia at FSU home to Duke. There is enough there for UNC to get it done but you say they're missing it. You say they're not going to get, they're going to pick no, up enough I, losses. I think North Carolina will get there. Oh, I you think, think they'll get there? Okay, I think Kentucky right. will not. Um, there is no reason for Kentucky to be like this. There's none, man. There is, there is no excuse. It's, and, and they had won. I am acknowledging that Kentucky had won six straight SEC games and in doing so had gone from a 10 and 16 to a 16 and 17. But the way it lost to Arkansas is concerning because Arkansas is not full strength. It had struggled on the road. Defensively, this Kentucky team seems to be getting worse. Its remaining schedule is at Georgia, at Mississippi State, home to Tennessee, at Florida. What's Kentucky's record going to be in the next four games? Two, you'll take two and two. You'll take two and two. And it's conceivable that two and two in that spot doesn't get you better than an 11 seed, 12 line maybe. It really, and then they're home to Auburn, home to Vandy, at Arkansas. There is actually plenty of quad one opportunities when you also consider the league tournaments for both of these teams to play themselves back into single-digit territory and not really make anything too dramatic out of Selection Sunday. That's still on the table. But I, I, I have wavering and dissipating confidence in both of these schools. You think... Carolina's going and Kentucky's not making. I will say both get in. I'll say both get in, but I'll say I'll say both get in and they both narrowly avoid Dayton. They both make it, but they're double digit seeds. They're like elevens and they just barely crack. But I think we're gonna get to the point here where the sickos are gonna be like, no, no, no. Give us give us these two teams in the first four. Just just get it over with. Just put them there and and do what you need to do. That's on the table, but I'll 
I'll, I'll, I'll keep a little bit of optimism and say they, they write the shit. They have too much talent. The rosters are too good. The players are too good in theory not to get it right and to get it corrected. But you can build out arguments right now that both of these teams should actually be on the outside looking in as of this moment, just as much as you could say they're barely uh, on the inside looking out. Here's the problem with the they have too much talent argument. Um, while acknowledging they have lots of talent, you know, four starters from a championship team and a team that played for the championship are back. And that's at North Carolina and at Kentucky, you've got the reigning national player of the year. You've got a projected lottery pick in case and Wallace like this, this should be good enough. To get to, to get to the NCAA tournament, it's stupid we're even having this conversation on it February is. 8th. Yes. The problem, of course, is that it's February 8th. Like, most of the season is over. And this isn't a situation like at UConn where, hey, they looked great and then they started struggling, but maybe if they can get back to what they were, everything will be okay. North Carolina hasn't really been good all season. Kentucky hasn't really been good all season. They both had moments where you go, okay, maybe something flipped here. But broadly speaking, there isn't a single, I don't think, three-week period where you've watched either one of these teams and said, okay, now for a a significant amount, five, six-game stretch, these teams look awesome, like they were supposed to look. They have never, at any point in the season, looked like legitimate top five or top ten teams. So expecting them on February 8th to just, well, there's too much talent, here we go. Like, well, where was the talent on January 8th or December 8th? These are these are fundamentally flawed basketball teams with talented individuals. I think that's the most accurate description of both North Carolina and Kentucky right now. These are big programs with talented individuals, but not very good basketball teams. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in in broad view, that is exactly what we're dealing with here. Uh and, you know, there's been all of the chatter and on this podcast, Kentucky discourse about the rotations, who's in, and you just look up and there are just stretches where it seems like he just doesn't have the right guys on the floor. Jacob Toppin has been unquestionably underwhelming. Severe Wheeler's actually out again. They've also dealt with some injury issues. That also has been part of it, but they just cannot, cannot get it going here. And... It comes at a fraught time for Kentucky. I mean, you got to turn around and play at Georgia on Saturday. Georgia's not that good, but it's it, the, and it's lost six of its past seven. But it is a program with a new coach and you know a lot of new guys, and they have reason to believe that they they can you know put up a fight in a lot of these SEC games. So I find that to be a dangerous game on Saturday. Um, and then they got to go to Mississippi State, which has been which is was not as good now as it started, but it has proven it can beat good teams. I mean, Mississippi State's coming off wins against TCU and Missouri. It's going to play here Wednesday night at home against LSU. So, you know, it's it's a little bit uh, it's a little bit slippery upcoming for for North Carolina. But yeah, this has become among the most prominent storylines this season. I mean, we're coming off last week was the first time in AP poll history that Kentucky Duke, Carolina, and Nova, just that four combination. At least one of those four had been ranked in every single AP poll since the AP Top 25 began, or the AP poll began. It wasn't Top 25 back in the late 40s. Last week was the first time it, had, it hadn't been the case. So while Kansas has still been good, UCLA has been good. Uh, you mentioned off the top, there's no kind of universal set of blue blood teams. Uh, you know, Kansas, Kentucky, Duke, Carolina, UCLA, Indiana, Villanova, 
Louisville would probably be my eight. I know there's going to be a couple schools just on the outside. Those from a traditional standpoint, if you really dig into the stats and the history of those universities, the wins, the win percentages, the final fours, conference championships, all that, that would probably be my eight. If you want to knock off Nova and Louisville, say they're only six. We had this whole conversation during last year's final four. Go ahead and find it. I was on a heater for like 15 minutes to start one of those episodes. So we're not going to do that again. But the point I'm making here is that a lot of these, uh, you know, big time brand programs. And if you even want to include like Michigan state wasn't expected to be a top 15 team, but it's been, you know, it's been up and down. Um, that's been part of it. Kentucky and Carolina are the face of it. Ken- you know, Kentucky preseason top five team reigning national player of the year is back. We look up and they're fighting for their tournament lives in the second week of February. UNC makes a title run. It's a preseason number one team. Most everyone comes back preseason all American and Armando Baycott fighting for its tournament life in the second week of February there. And I don't want to hear my last thing. And then we can move the hell on. I don't want to hear last year was a fluke. Parrish has said it multiple times on the podcast. We don't need to tell it to you again. The data empirically shows that for the better part of two months, North Carolina performed as a top 10 team in the country last season. It wasn't like they won at Cameron and they played a couple of ACC tournament games and then they flipped the switch. It is way more than that. If you actually dig into the numbers, Carolina, yes, it had a tournament resume of a bubble team at the end of January, early February, but it did switch that. And so, um, I don't think what it did last season has really that much connective tissue to this season. And it does echo back to something that Hubert Davis told me in Portland. He emphasized this when he said, a lot of these guys played here last year, but I played on all these. I played in college. I played in the NBA. I've coached at Carolina here for a decade. They're different teams. They go home. They come back. There's different goals. Like, the, you know, some of the guys are the same. This is not last year's team. This is a whole new venture, a whole new journey. I, I wonder if he he didn't even realize how right he was when he was telling me that statement there. And now UNC sits on the precipice of, of really making history. Preseason number one to maybe miss in the tournament, but I think it's getting there. Um, I've had multiple coaches make that same point about North Carolina, which is everybody just says, hey, they brought back the same team. It's not the same team because the players aren't the same. I mean, the players are, the names are the same, but you, they, they, you can come back as different guys. And jokes aside, like name, image, and likeness money can cause issues within a a locker room. I've had multiple coaches tell me that. Like every, you know, who's making this and where's this money coming from? And, you know, that I don't want to say the closest thing we've had to this in the past 20 years, but among the things that we've had similar to this in the past 20 years is those Florida teams that won back-to-back national titles. And, they were, you know, they 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 weren't supposed to win the first one. They won it. Then they were supposed to win the second one, and they won it. And there were bumps in that season. But the thing I remember about that Florida, those that, that Florida back-to-back national championship era, was that those guys were best friends. Like they were legitimately like tight, lived together, ran together. One of the reasons they all came back is because none of them wanted to leave each other. And I don't know. Um, the locker room dynamics at North Carolina, but I wouldn't be surprised to hear all these guys aren't the best friends in the world. And Armando Baycott saying what he said after the Wake Forest loss, um, you know, that, that, that those are words from a frustrated guy who feels like everybody's not on the same page. It's one thing to come out of the locker room and say, I just talked to my teammates and I told them we've got to work harder, you know, all those cliche things. It's not what he said. He said, if you don't want to be here, quit. Don't don't I'm not quitting, but if you don't want to be here, don't just don't come back on Thursday. That That's not just we got to be better basketball players talk. That's like there's something 
not right there where they feel like everybody's not pulling in the right direction. And so that would that would be my concern about North Carolina is that they don't just have on court problems right now. They seem to have some off court locker room. Uh, Everybody's not pulling the same way type of stuff going on. And to your point about being here again and then we'll move on uh, on February on the morning of February 8, 2022, North Carolina was 16 and seven overall, eight and four in the ACC. On the morning of February 2023, UNC 15 and nine overall, seven and six in the ACC. They are slightly better in Ken Palm right now than they were a year ago by about 10 spots. But from a record perspective, they're worse. And from a chemistry perspective, might also be worse. And so we'll see where it goes from here. They've surprised us before, but yeah, I'll be surprised this time if they if they flip it quite the way they flipped it last season. Let's move on. Norlander was in Hartford on Tuesday night for UConn's beatdown of Marquette. We'll spend a few minutes on that next, but first a word from our partners. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. A reminder, if you want, you can now email the show, shouts2cbs at gmail.com, shouts2cbs at gmail.com. We are loving the responses we've gotten, the emails, the correspondence, the questions. Continue sending them. You can send in a video if you'd like, 10 to 15 second video, ask a question, name, city, town, get out. We'll try and drop those in going forward on the show, on the YouTube channel. Continue to send us stuff. We love hearing from you. And thank you, as always, for subscribing. So Norlander was in Hartford on Tuesday night for UConn's pretty dominant win over Marquette. It looks like the Huskies have figured out whatever they needed to figure out. As we touched on in a previous episode, yeah, there was a stretch after starting 14-0 where they went 2-6 and six over an eight-game span. But three of those six losses, half of them, were road losses to top 40 net teams. And when we ran the data over at barttorvik.com um, what we showed that was that even in that two and six stretch uh, UConn was still performing like a top 26 team in the country well now that's behind them um, they're 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 back to winning games beating good teams you saw it up close what was your main takeaway from from what you saw at the Excel Center Excel Center, indeed. Yeah. And by the way, uh, tourney cast at Torvik, UConn, 100% to make the tournament. 100%. So rest easy, UConn fans. You got a nice little win there. What you just brought up, I talked with Hurley about real briefly on his way out and was making the point that um, the losses, like a lot, like he doesn't want the losses, but, you know, all of them except the St. John's one, you know, he said something along the lines of like, the St. John's loss, Matt, you just play it back through your mind and it just doesn't make any sense. 
And I agree. It doesn't make any sense. He lost 85-74 at home to St. John's. But everything else, um, he wasn't there for the Seton Hall loss. They lost on the road. He had COVID. They lost by one. That was back uh, three weeks they ago. Were up big. They were up big and lost by one. They were up big. And, you know, Xavier came into their house. I was there for that one, too. Really, really well-played game. Xavier was just better, narrowly. You know, so big picture, UConn is fine. I talked with Andre Jackson afterward as well. And he told me that, fortunately, the locker room just has not, it, it didn't get down on itself at all. Uh, and they have kept like a pretty high level of confidence without throughout all this. And that, that was, you know, not terribly surprising to hear, but it's something that the staff also backed up. You know, it's, it's the, in fact, the, really what's happened here is that uh, that locker room has remained pretty, uh, pretty tight and connected and, and uplifting each other while the Yukon fan base got a bit toxic as fan bases will do online. Um, but that's happening. Like I, I, I guess Sonogo hit a thousand points recently, and you know the UConn official account went and posted something on on the gram or whatever, and uh, and said and congratulate him. And like the first fifteen comments that were on it are like, "This guy stinks." Start clinging and said, <laughs> just like just, just nonsense like that, like nonsense. So uh, so despite that, um, they they've they've handled themselves well. And Tuesday night was the first win for UConn over uh, a, a top 100 Ken Palm team in a month. They beat Creighton at home on January 7th. So they've, they got another win. They're fourth and five games. They, they looked good. XL Center was popping, and I kind of wondered going in if, like, I was like, I said to myself, and I was talking to someone else beforehand, if they are what we think they are, and that is a top 15 team, they're close to what they were at the start of the season, then they, they don't mess around tonight. You know, they just take care of Marquette and damn, did they ever Jordan Hawkins hit a hit the first three of the game, first bucket of the game, first possession of the game. And it really did set the tone. He was tremendous. Uh, I tweeted out Jordan Hawkins has ready for MSG in March energy, and he absolutely does. He finished with 20 points. UConn just has so many weapons, man. Tristan Newton. Didn't even play a good game on defense, and he had the second triple-double this season. He's the first. This is mind-blowing. He is the first UConn player ever to have two triple-doubles in one season on the men's side. The only other UConn player ever to have multiple triple-doubles is Shabazz Napier. So uh, just a stunning little bit of trivia there from uh, from the UConn end of it. And then I talked with Shaka afterward. Uh, some stuff that I'll write about either later this month in early March, so we'll have to wait on that. But he he admitted like you know UConn the way they played this was this was you know late November early December uh, UConn and said listen the way UConn was playing tonight not a lot of teams are coming into this building and beating beating that team which I completely completely agree with they were he said they were like that fourteen and zero number two in the country UConn team um, but he also had a good observation with me and he said it's funny how stuff flips because he was not he was not down on this team if you look at Marquette. I don't know if, if you if you scanned like their their whole resume to this point, GP. The losses this season at Purdue by five, okay. A- against Mississippi State on neutral by three, okay. Overtime loss at home to Wisconsin. Wisconsin's fading, but you know rivalry game, okay. Two overtimes at Providence by five, at Xavier by four, and then 
at UConn by 15. This is the first blowout loss. This is the first big loss this program has suffered this season. Shaka was not in the least bit concerned about it, said um, the locker room after wasn't down on itself. And he was like, remember back in the preseason? You know, we got picked ninth by the media and by the coaches. And you would have thought like this game here, like, you know, UConn would have certainly been been favored. But Marquette was the higher ranked team in this game, you know, and and how the perception of what Marquette is and what UConn is kind of swapped positions over the past month. But really, if we had, you know, gone back to six weeks ago and said, hey, these teams are going to play on February 7th, UConn's going to beat Marquette by 15, you wouldn't have batted an eye. So I thought that was a good dose of perspective from Shaka overall. And I also think they got caught like Marquette's not a big team. And from a body to body standpoint, UConn's a terrible matchup for Marquette. Just not a good matchup whatsoever. Um, if they wind up meeting again in the Big East tournament, because Marquette can score really well, neutral, they can pick them off. But I, I would I would think it much more likely that UConn would be able to win again. This is that's just a bad matchup for uh for the Golden Eagles. So they'll, they'll be fine. Big picture. They're doing well. Um, and I thought it was really important for UConn to get a win of that nature to kind of re you know, state again, just how dangerous it can be. It's six at Ken Palm. And I said this a couple weeks ago before it got to this point, I still feel like at its best, that's the most dangerous team in the conference. And when we get to the start of the biggest tournament, I feel like I might be most prone to pick the Huskies to win that bracket just because of everything they have and they're getting better defensively. And from Newton to Hawkins to Sonogo, Klingon comes in. I mean, that's just a, just a nightmare. One, two Jackson is a different, like he's not a great shooter, but he, just the best athlete in the sport. I, I honestly think I've, I've arrived at that point. He's, he's just a total free caravans, a freshman. He can hit big shots there and you had a good, even a good game from uh, Nahima Lean. So it was, um, it was good stuff. Uh, good stuff from the Huskies in Hartford on Tuesday. Like UConn is probably not going to win the Big East at this point because the Huskies are eight and six in the league, and Xavier's sitting up there eleven and two alone in first because Marquette drops um, to eleven and three after the Tuesday night loss. But tell me if you agree with this. Forget the records. Forget the conference standings. If this Big East team plays at its best. It's the best in the Big East. I think that's UConn. I think it's UConn. Right. Yes. But I think I think it's UConn. But I think Xavier is the most dependable team. And I think Creighton can beat any team in the league. Big East is awesome, man. It it, it, it now it's gonna send it's gonna send Xavier, UConn, Marquette, Providence, likely Creighton, uh, to the tournament. And then you gotta see if like Seton Hall can break through or not. it might only send five. And there's you know, the bottom half is not that good, but the top is super interesting. And, you know, Shock is going to win coach of the year. The player of the year race is, is super compelling as well. You can say Sonogo, you can say Sule Boom, you can say Bryce Hopkins, you can say Tyler Kolek. Well, one of the Creighton guys wind up getting it. Uh, there's a lot of intrigue in this league right now. At its best, give me UConn. But I think that Xavier Marquette, Creighton, UConn, and I refuse to count out Providence. Like any of those teams can viably win the Big East tournament and uh, I can't wait to see it in person next week or next week. I wish it was next week, next month uh, in Midtown Manhattan. On that note, does it feel like the season has flown by to you or does it feel like it, it feels like it's just this happens every year. I know it's happened. I feel this way every year. I'm like, you know, exhausted and all that stuff, but it, it feels like it just started and it's it's closer to the end than it is the beginning. I know because and this is why I cherish the sport a lot is 
it has basically from a calendar standpoint, it has like the longest off season of any major American sport. There's no real preseason. So it's, it's just so long to get there. And then like football's happening and you got the holidays and then you look up and it's like, well, damn it. It's already time for, for Palm to start putting out his bubble watch. We're almost a Valentine's day. So yes, I do feel like it's going by in a breeze. It always happens like this. And we're going to, we're going to, blink and it's March is going to be here. So I, I completely agree with you in, in the pace of the season. It actually feels a bit faster than, than most of recent seasons. And my favorite thing about the sport is how we spend this in this very long off season discussing all the things that we think are going to matter in the next season. And then you look up in February and we're talking about Purdue's going to be the number one overall seed. Kentucky and North Carolina might miss the NCAA tournament. It just, it never fails to deliver surprise, like incredibly surprising stories that I'm not sure other mainstream sports deliver as regularly. Like you're not going to, you know, be listening to a major league baseball podcast next july and somebody's saying man i can't believe oakland looks like the best team in the american league but <laughs> that's not going to happen yeah. but we just got through talking about a marquette team picked ninth in the big east that you know is still competing for a big east title that that to me that's the most you know, oh yeah and zach Eady, who you wrote about for this morning is the far and away leader for national player of the year not something anybody said in the offseason not not once. I don't remember anybody saying the guy you got to watch is Zach Eady. That's not what happened. No. In fact, yeah, um, did have a big Eady profile go up this morning. I obviously reported on that when I went out there. The the very end of that story, I won't spoil it. It's not like the biggest kicker in the world, but it is tied to that. Um, and the start of the season, Edie not being in that in that conversation, but he is. I'll do real quick on Edie. Uh, please do read the story if you can. His, his first of all, give me a minute. Give me a minute. Read on it. Let's let's check this. See, let's see what we're dealing with here. Again, fifteen minutes, but really, it's like a twelve minute read. The algorithm is not is is off. It it always gives it a few minutes longer than it actually is going to take. All right, fifteen minutes. You're good. It's really like ten to twelve. I think you can pull it off in ten. To be honest, it's not that bad. I'm I think you'll time myself. I'm going to read it and time myself. I'm going to time uh, myself. Julia Edie's ex mom, top five mom interview I've ever had. Just, just incredible. And you know, Edie, Edie is interesting in that he's dominating, right? But he's not a loud personality. His game is loud. He's not, which I always find interesting when you know when you have players. And what they're doing on the floor or statistically runs in contrast to who they are as a personality. There's a lot of that with, with Zach Eady, but he is so comfortable in who he is, how big he is. Like sometimes big guys, you know, this has been told over the decades. Like some, some, some guys are big and they get into basketball because they're big and they, some love it, some don't, and some are not that's, comfortable that's being what, in a room. That's what happened to me. Yeah, exactly. And that's not Zach Eady. Like he, I get into a little bit of, you know, it's well known at this point that he played hockey and did a little baseball, but there's actually some good stuff in there that had not been reported about those sports and, and why he, cause he didn't want to play basketball. It was more like an F you I'm tall. I'm not playing basketball. I refuse to do it. And same thing with me. Do it. Exactly. And I tell you what, he's going to win national player of the year. Almost certainly. 
This is only the third season of his life he's ever been a full-time starter on a team. I don't think there has ever been a player that won National Player of the Year, and the year they did it, they had started three or fewer seasons in their life on a basketball team. It's outrageous. He started playing hoops basically late December of 17 into early 2018. We're in 2023. As noted in the story, he's got a teammate, former Jackrabbit, David Jenkins Jr., David Jenkins Jr.'s college career has lasted longer than Zach Eady has been playing basketball. <laughs> and, and Zach Eady is the best player in college basketball. It's the, the, I was fascinated with his ascent and how he's done this. And so his process is detailed in, in it. He couldn't, not just because Purdue is great with big men, there is not a coach more perfectly suited to coach, train, be around Edie than Matt Painter. They are a perfect match. And so the, the story gets into a lot of his process and he has like his routine is maniacal. He has to do 300 hook shots on game days. He has to sleep before a game. He has to have sushi Thanks. before a game. Exactly. The the parallels are you should have written the story. I'm a lot really like it's all I'm hearing is I'm a lot like Zach Eady. I have to That's take right. naps. I need naps. I got into basketball because I was tall. Okay. I'm a lot like so Zach anyway, Eady. um it is uh it's a peek into him and how he got to this point. And he just does not he he was funny, like talking to him. He he doesn't give a damn. If you're like, this dude's only seven, four and he's just dropping in layups. He's like, the point of the game is to put the ball in the basket. Like, and I'm going to keep doing it and I'm going to power my way through it. Let me, let me write that down real quick. Exactly. He just doesn't care. He doesn't care about style points. Just gets it done. Just gets it done. So, uh, we'll put the link in the description and, uh, give that ED feature a read. If you could, he was, he was really good to sit down with. Also, one thing that didn't make the story is he said, I intentionally am trying, I try to be as boring as possible in front of, in front of the mic, especially on camera. Like, I don't want to say anything exciting. I want to be boring, but just to let people know, like I'm not a robot. The way he said it was really funny, but there wasn't a place to put it in the story, but he is extremely, uh, very self-aware and, uh, it was good stuff. Um, okay. He grabbed the mic, he grabbed the mic after the loss. I know. Indiana. That was, a, that, and that was a, a rare, a rare bit of it. He's, he's even starting to come out of his shell, just a little bit uh, as well. Okay, I, I got. Discovered, I discovered David Jenkins Jr. By the way, I know you did. I know. I know. I, I had him pegged as the heir apparent to Mike Dom as a Summit League Player of the Year. Had that. And here we here we are, thirty five years later, and he has played everywhere in the country. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but he's found his home. He's found, he's his, found his home. home. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. He found his home. All right, let's get to the past two nights. But before we get to the games, I have to play this for you. Okay? 
I couldn't help but perk my head up as I was uh, as I was reading through some stuff. This is courtesy of ESPN, and and I think it's courtesy of Closet Eye on College Basketball listener Scott Van Pelt. You ready for this? Mm. Here we go. Deontay Johnson to Tyke Green, and it's a ten point lead. Kansas State's going to win this one going away. One more time, Noel. Here it comes. Mm. Youngsters, especially Arkansas fans that are watching, you remember a guy named Dillard? Anthony Dillard used to shoot from the snout back in the day. Mm -hmm. That reminds me of that. Noel had 18 and 7 assists. Kansas State by 21. Are you kidding me right now? There is no shot SVP is pulling Anthony Dillard from the snout off the top of his dome. Well, first, first. It's Al Dillard, I think. Okay. Did he say Anthony? Yeah, I think he said Anthony. Okay. But like, you know, that happens. I, you, try talking on TV every oh, night. Yeah, that's, yeah you're try right. Try talking on Dillard. TV every night. You'll, you'll get a name Dillard. wrong, everyone. You'll get a name oh. wrong. It's, it is unavoidable. But listen, SVP, we appreciate you listening. From the snout is was the, was the giveaway. Come on. Agreed? Verdict in? I invented from the snout. Same, same year I discovered David Jenkins Jr. From hashtag from the snout. So... Uh, Scott Van Pelt, one of us. That's all I got. Oh, I know he's one of us. I've known that for a long time. Elsewhere around the sport over the past couple of days, Kansas beat Texas to stay in contention for the Big 12 title. Virginia snapped NC State's four-game winning streak. Kansas State blasted the Mike Miles-less TCU Horn Frogs. Indiana improved to 7-1 in its past eight. Victory over Rutgers. You mentioned uh, Duke got blasted by Miami. Nevada won at New Mexico to improve to eight and six in the first two quadrants with zero additional losses. Any thoughts on any of that or anything else before we look ahead to the next couple of days? Let me hit you on Nevada. Where are they in your rankings? And do you think they've got the best resume that people don't realize is a good resume in the sport right now? Um, if I did a top 25 and two. They oh, they're be, not there. They would be I, in. I, Oh, I thought you'd have them in. They're literally the first team out. Um, and I I came close to putting them in. The problem with it, it's not a problem with them. They're having a great season. The problem is if you look at, the, and this is the thing, we I don't know that we'll ever have a, a, a clear answer on this, but the problem with a lot of these Mountain West teams, the good ones, they're only beating each other. <laughs> so, like, it, what does it mean? <laughs> you know? All right, fair. fair. Yeah. No, so, no. like, you look at Nevada and it's like, oh, wow, they got a nice, and you're like, yeah, they just beat these other. I've had like three different Mountain West schools just bouncing in and out of the 20s of the top 25 and one for, for weeks now. Uh, I, I think what's true with that league is they've got five legitimately good teams, but I emphasize the word good. I'm not mm. sure any of them are great, except for maybe San Diego State. They're certainly the strongest in the computers. But um, listen, there's, there's a chance Nevada could be in there th- Thursday morning, depending on what happens Wednesday night. They literally the first team I left out of the top 25. Of yeah, that was New Mexico's kind of slipped to fifth in the overall hierarchy in that league. Got to get that win on your home floor here. New Mexico's lost three of its past four. Now at Air Force, home Wyoming, at San Jose State, at Boise State. Lobos are going to be on the outside looking in from a tournament perspective in the next two weeks, I would anticipate. Still got time to correct that, 
But I still think, you know, four teams is going to be the, the number here. And New Mexico right now is just fifth in the overall pecking order. San Diego State is the best. Nevada's doing well in quad one. Boise State and Utah State are eight and three. Meanwhile, New Mexico has no chance at winning the Mountain West. It's now six and five, three games behind San Diego State. By the way, Nadia, you got that video? The buzzer beater? Bring it on up. I think you got it. Let's see it. Always such a um, on the road. You just shut the you shut the home crowd up. It just barely, barely crawled in. You were in studio, were you not? But not that late. Oh, you weren't. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know if you were in studio that late. So we had a beautiful Tuesday, it. a beautiful Tuesday doubleheader instead of triple header or quadruple okay. header. We had a doubleheader, and here was the other great part about last night. Only top twenty-five teams. None of them tipped off later than nine p.m. So we yeah, we were out of there by midnight. We were out of there by midnight. I, I I hated that. Uh, like I didn't hate, but I found it in what Nevada did completely overshadowed LeBron James having his big moment. Oh yeah, last last night. Yeah, I heard he yeah. passed. Keenan, it was Keenan Blackshear's night. He got the buzzer beater. Right. Congrats to him. Completely overshadowing LeBron James. Uh, I, I don't somebody know what he did. To be honest, what did he do? I. I lost a game. Is lost. Oh, that's right. That's right. They lost. Lost okay. another game. Lost another game. Yeah, lost another game. Lakers are like the Kentucky of the NBA, basically. I I swear to God, I thought about that when we were talking about Kentucky earlier. Yeah. Because you look at it and you go, they've got LeBron James and Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook. Like they they've got good players, and it's like, yeah, but they've been they've had those players for two years now, and they stink. Yep. No good. No good. Um. All right. Real quick tour through this. Uh. Yeah. Miami gets a. Miami's better than Duke. And Miami almost beat Duke at Cameron. And then it just, I mean, maybe it was a little bit of a hangover from the Carolina game, but, and Duke's still not full string. But not, I just want to acknowledge Jim Laranaga, which, by the way, Jim Laranaga breaking out his money clip, showing the cash <laughs> on the sideline, like 36 hours after Jim Beheim's talking about, by the, and hey, and by the way, at least, at least Miami did, Miami did so buy a, they, they did buy a $400,000 Nigel Pack. All right. I yes. mean, that, that, it, that did happen. Northside like, Omir is also, I'm pretty sure, getting a good NIL deal. And and Isaiah Wong tried to leverage a new, a new NIL. <laughs> like, that's what happened. I don't even care. Like, wait, Bayheim was completely right. Hashtag Bayheim's right on that one. Yeah. Like, so, I, I, if I were a coach, I would never mention that because it sounds like excuse making. It, it, yes. what, what that sounded like to me was, well, if you're trying to figure out why maybe I'm not as good as I used to be, is, well, everybody in my league's buying players. And I can't. I was like, what? I wouldn't say that ever out loud, not publicly. But if you're going to say it, like, say Miami, honestly, there's a team in your league that had the number one recruiting class in America. Could probably throw them out there safely <laughs> as somebody who used yes. NIL deals to, to get some things done. But like, Wake Forest was, was funny to me. I, did, I didn't understand. I didn't understand that one. Although, as we sit here today, Yes. I would sign Tyree Appleby to a big deal. When's the last time you ever saw a coach breaking out a wallet or a money clip during a game? Larry knew exactly what he was doing. He's, he's like straight out of Goodfellas there. All of a sudden, it's in the middle of the game. He's on the sideline. He's dipping into his pocket, and he's rifling through 20s. It was an amazing, understated moment. I so appreciated what he did. I refuse to believe that it was unintentional. 100% on the money. Tuesday there's night, there's Indiana over Rutgers. Uh, do you give any possible avenue 
I, I'm, I've been banging this drum. So and you, you pushed back on me a little bit last week. Trace Jackson Davis continues to be a beast. I'd still have him behind Jalen Wilson. But any chance like Trace Jackson Davis, if he continues to do this, Indiana finishes second in the Big Ten. Do you get behind the argument that within the context of Big Ten play only, Zach Eady could win National Player of the Year, but Trace Jackson Davis could or should win Big Ten Player of the Year under those circumstances? Where do you philosophically land on something like that? If you are the National Player of the Year, you are your conference's Player of the Year. Anything other than that's nonsensical. Okay. I, uh, what about your your conference only stats uh, accumulate and are better than the than the national player of the years conference only. I don't care. Okay. I, I, I'm not. I'm just yeah, playing yeah, devil's I, I, because I've never heard. I don't believe I've ever heard anybody make that argument for a conference player of the year, like ever in the history of the planet. Like Indiana fans, trust me, the Wi-Fi is cruising, and they oh, are. Oh, they the got coast. good Wi-Fi. They got good Wi-Fi now. Team yes. looks good. They started one and four in the Big Ten. And now they're tied for second in the Big Ten, probably headed for a second place finish in the Big Ten. Like when you're picked to win the Big Ten, you don't want to finish second in the Big Ten. But when you start one and four in the Big Ten, you're kind of happy to finish second, I think. By the way, uh, Nada, if you Nada, can you uh can you bring up I want to show this to Ken uh, can you get the Ken Palm Big Ten page up if uh if you're cookied in with the login and show this stand, the, the standings in this league right now, Indiana by beating Rutgers, uh, which lost Mawat Mag for the season starting forward there. So Rutgers right. is going to be a man down, but you know, still going to make the tournament. That game was essentially for, for bragging rights on second place in the big 10, not to mention a standings position overall. Uh, Purdue is back to having a three game lead in the conference there. Rutgers would have been standalone in the big 10 had it been able to go into assembly and winning, but it didn't. So the teams wind up splitting there. And because of that, right now, I'll bring it up here. The Big Ten is it's a bog, man. You've got Purdue at eleven and two. Indiana and Rutgers are eight and five, and they just split. And then Illinois, seven and five. Iowa, seven and five. Michigan, seven and five. Northwestern, seven and five. Maryland seven and six, Michigan State seven and six. Oh, the the probabilities on how these teams actually wind up landing with their seeding and all that good stuff is, I mean, it's a dart throw in the dark, blindfolded, going behind your back at this point. It is it is wild. So that those results from the past two nights have actually made it even murkier in the uh, in the Big Ten race for for second place. Uh, and yeah, good one for good one for IU and. Trace Jackson Davis is a, is a borderline lock for first team All American at this point. He would I I'm not seeing an avenue for him not landing there, given the way that he has played. He has been a a man possessed for the past six weeks. Yeah, like if I were turning in a National Player of the Year ballot right now, he might be second on it. I think you could either Wilson, yeah, him or Jalen Wilson. I think you could reasonably put put him second, but he would have to be second. Um, I'm not saying there's no way anybody can pass Zach Eady. But I will insist there's no way anybody could be ahead of Zach Eady, uh right now. You know, look ahead to the next couple of days. Nothing too great. Zero games over the next couple of days between two ranked opponents. But on Wednesday night, we do have Creighton at Seton Hall, Tennessee at Vanderbilt, Iowa State at West Virginia, Florida at Alabama. On CBS Sports Network on Wednesday night, we got a triple header. Hofstra at Northeastern, Georgetown at Providence, San Diego State at Utah State. So another good Mountain West game there. On Thursday night, there's Iowa at Purdue, 
St. Mary's at Loyola Marymount. What are you looking most forward to over the next couple of nights? On Wednesday, uh, I'd say my most intriguing game of Wednesday. And I, I'm in on, and I'm, listen, not ashamed to be a company man, but I'm, I'm in on the Mountain West. And Utah State really has an opportunity here at home against San Diego State at 10 o'clock tonight to get a good win. It's going to be a late night for GP in the studio. Um, so that's probably it. But I'll tell you what, West Virginia's lurking out there right now. Projected in the field by, by plenty, 14 to 9, home against Iowa State. This is a good spot for Bob Huggins' team. So let's see what Iowa State does on the road. Another team that is at home that has a really good opportunity to bolster its tournament resume and kind of needs the win in order to really get there is Seton Hall hosting Creighton. Creighton going to go on the road. Creighton's going to play home to UConn this weekend there. So see if it's looking ahead or not overall. Uh, Another team that's, you know, kind of similar to Seton Hall, but has been going the wrong way as of late. Penn State hosts Wisconsin tonight. Like, Nittany Lions need to need to get that kind of win. Micah Shrewsbury is, like, getting some buzz over, you know, being a viable candidate at places like Notre Dame, Georgetown Open. Might that be a, a spot for him as well? But got to close strong here on the season to uh, to increase your chances. So that's a good one for them. And then one to maybe just keep an eye on. Like, I think Bama will beat Florida. I do. I think I think that they're going to show themselves well. But Florida is a really, really good quad one win away from making us really stop and say, what do we have here? Because after this, they got to beat Vandy and Mississippi State at home. And then they're at Arkansas. So if the Gators can can cause a surprise, you know, it's it's still moving time here. I think uh, I think across across the sport in a number of conferences on Thursday. Um, it's not a great night. I I guess I I mean I I get uh, Iowa at Purdue I guess but like is Iowa going to be able to make it a game I don't know seven o'clock Eastern that's probably the best one on Thursday Wednesday is the better slate Tuesday was really really good um, Thursday you've just got like USC needs to win on the road at Oregon to help its resume and and get in the picture there St Mary's oh people you need to atone for this actually wrap hmm. on that hmm. Um, there's a, there's some disagreement over whether you were skeptical if the Gales were computer trickers or you outright accused them of being, but after beating Gonzaga the way that St. Mary's did, uh, you got people coming for you. So what is your statement? I was not accusatory. I did not label St. Mary's computer trickers. I wondered aloud, might they be? Were you leading the witness? I just wondered aloud. Sometimes I just wonder aloud, you know? Sometimes I just think about things. And I was just—that's just, that's just something I was thinking about. And I didn't, do you not think about it anymore? But I still think about it a little bit. Oh, I still okay. think about it sometimes. I mean, what they do? Barely beat a Gonzaga team that lost to Loyola Marymount. Wow, you love framing these things <laughs> in all sorts of ways. Aiden Mahaney's that guy. I think St. Mary's is is good. I wonder if I want. I'm wondering again. This is me wondering again. Joel in the chat goes, GP, quote, just asking questions, end quote, <laughs> going to end up in a very dark part of YouTube. He's not wrong. Boy. It, You're about to I, get ready to be traded to the Mavericks right now, man. This is how, this is how I get Kyrie to listen to the Ion College Basketball podcast. I just, I just wonder about things out loud. I'm not saying. I'm just wondering. Yeah. I do wonder if St. Mary's is good as its predictive metrics suggest. The resume's not, but – 
but perhaps the the basketball team is. We'll see. We'll see. But I did not. I didn't. The only team I remember ever definitively identifying as computer trickers was Colorado. Before they and beat then what happened? Fifty thousand points in the NCAA tournament. It was, and and that team was, I think, Georgetown. Georgetown, yes. exactly. That was that's the, and that's why I stopped short of definitively calling anybody a computer tricker these days. I just sometimes I want, I sometimes I just wonder about it, but I don't, I don't, I don't make the claims too often anymore because what them Buffaloes did to me that year, whoo, that was tough. I think I did like seven minutes on Colorado computer. Tr- I named them the Colorado computer trickers. The game was over at the under 16. <laughs> Holy crap. They played the best game. And it was the first tip, I remember it was the first tip of the day because it's Georgetown. Good national audience. Let's get them on there. Just won the Big East tournament. Automatic bid. 12 line. Goodbye. Oh, man, that was rough. Wonder if you know, it was long for wondering aloud. West Virginia computer tricker. I'm I'm willing to entertain that. Yeah, I am. I mean, what's you're West, welcome, Virginia. Now they're going to win tonight. So West Virginia. Oh, well, how about this? This is how wild the the Big Twelve is, and and how the predictive metrics don't necessarily line up with the bodies of work. Not that they should, just that they don't. Um, Iowa State's ranked 11th in the country, tied for first in the Big Twelve standings in the loss column with Texas, and a three and a half point underdog against a West Virginia team that's three and seven in the Big Twelve tonight. That's where we're at. Exactly where we're at, man. Great stuff. All right, uh, I think we're we're done. Heads up for the for the viewers. Friday hour earlier than normal, ten Eastern, right? Yeah, I think so. I think that's the plan. We're going to ten Eastern, nine o'clock Central, nine Central. We don't know. Uh, you're going to have to learn on Friday what we're doing on Super Bowl Sunday. We don't have that lockdown yet. We'll figure it out. We'll we, get it we, to you some way. It, we don't know that plan yet, though. Yeah, we 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 tried to plan it. I don't have that answer for you yet. We don't have that answer yet. We'll we'll figure out what we're gonna do. We here's what we know for sure. All right. Here's what we know for sure. We know that we're gonna be ten Eastern, nine Central on Friday morning. That's what we know for sure. We know Zach Edia showed his money intentionally. We know that for sure. There's a funny story about Jim Larinaga coming into the broadcast center. Uh, several set long time ago. By the way, the guy is stunting. Do you see him posing with the Miami swim team? The guy is absolutely cruising these days. Continue. When's he going to get, is he got taking pictures of those little twins? I have no idea. You know, those twins keep going. You ever Googled those twins? I'm going to mute my mic here. Okay. So is a story. This is a funny story. I don't think, it, I hope nobody would mind me telling it. <laughs> So Larinag is in, in CBS Broadcast Center, like NCAA tournament. You know, you're not in it anymore. So you come in to be a coach and in-studio analyst, right? We do that all the time. Ed Cooley comes in all the time. Steve Peichel comes in all the time. Great guys. So uh, Larinag is there. And he's hungry, right? And, like, we, we have catered, catering food and we order out and whatever. And he, like, really is, really wants, like, a off-the-street New York hot dog. Like that, that's what he wants. Like, you know, to take him back to his childhood type of thing. And he sort of looks around the broadcast center and he identifies somebody and he's like, Hey there. Hey. And he pulls out, like pulls out a wad of money just like this. And he goes, Hey, Hey, why, why don't you, uh, maybe you could run downstairs and, uh, you know, go out on the street and give me a couple of hot dogs. And he is literally asking like one of the main bosses, <laughs> 
and every everybody's looking. I did not witness this with my own eyes. Oh, man. it's just been. It's just. It's a story that lives forever. And it's like, because every once in a while people like be like, remember that time Jim, La- Jim Laranega asked so and so to go get him hot dogs, <laughs> and it wasn't a runner. It was like somebody who is in charge of stuff. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> oh, that's a good Jim Laranega tale right there. <laughs> Jim Laranega, man, he is. He's one of those guys. He's just great stuff. We're glad to see him. Glad to see him thriving uh, these days. Well, like in all seriousness, you know, you start talking about the older ACC coaches. We lost Roy. Yeah. We lost Kay. Mm-hmm. Leonard. Well, we not- didn't lose them. They retired. They're, they're still with us. Are you? I'm sure. Have you seen Coach Kay lately? To, as of today, I haven't. But I feel like if that wasn't the case, we would have been notified. So I'm going to keep them. I'm going to keep them right here on the on the soil amongst us. Yes. Okay. We lost them from the sport. Roy, Kay, Leonard Hamilton having a rough second straight year at Florida State. Mm-hmm. We've, we've been over the Jim Beheim stuff. And yet there's Jim Laranaga. Money clipping all. Still rocking and rolling. Top 25. A badass right down there in Miami. He deserves some hot dogs, if you ask me. Plus a Tyree Appleby. Give that guy his hot dogs. Miami, it's a good team. Elite Eight last season. They've got a chance, I think, at uh, another deep, deep run. All right, let's get out of here. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Huck. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys once again for listening. I own College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify at Apple. Type some nice words. Five-star review. Leave comments. There's more of us than there are of them. Make sure that's reflected in the Apple Podcast reviews. And like we said, we're going to talk to you 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central on Friday. Till then, take care. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do average 29 and 11. God, what it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Four, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing.